Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Episode number 198 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast on October 11, 2020. It's presented by the Black and Gold Productions Podcast Network and sponsored by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and enter code CLNS50. Lots to talk about today on the podcast. Lots of Bruins news. I am your host, Matt Barry, and I am joined each week by Heather Ingerson. Hi, Heather. Hey there, Matt. How are you this week? Good, good. And also, Mark Allred. Hello, Mark. Hey, Matt. How's it going, Heather? Great to see you again. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm in all black because I'm mourning. <laughs> You're in mourning. <laughs> we'll talk about all the things that put you in mourning uh, in just a bit. But first, Mark has some words for us. I do. Before I get to the show sponsored by online.ag, I just want to give a quick shout-out. Happy birthday shout-out to Lauren Campbell. And Lauren works at, uh, she used to work for blackandgoldhockey.com. Now she works at Nesson and she's a workhorse over there. So Lauren, happy birthday to you and hopefully you have a great day. And the other thing is, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to all our Canadian listeners. Uh, Big day for them up there. Hopefully you're able to to be with family and friends. So um, yeah, so hopefully it's safe and and you're able to social distance uh, appropriately, but uh, also enjoy being with family. So uh, with that being said, let's talk about betonline.ag. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, betonline.ag gives you more options to wager than any place online and have been a staple in the gambling industry for over 20 years. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures. Head over to betonline.ag, either on your PC or mobile device, and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And please don't forget to use CLNS50 
that code CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. And uh, first topic, right at it. The Bruins draft was interesting, to say the least. Uh, so the 2020 draft, they had just the, the second round pick. They began with the second round pick, uh, pick number 58. And I don't know I, about you guys, but we had talked to Steve Cornianos, the draft analyst, and talked about all of these players that he thought would fit in the Bruins' plans and that we kind of scoped out who we might pick. So I'm, I'm waiting for the pick. And then here it comes, and it's a kid I never heard of. And I'll be honest, I think some of the people at NHL Network never heard of him either because they didn't have any video of him. So Mason Loray, uh, left shot defense, uh, was picked first by the Bruins with the 58th pick in the second round. So, uh, Heather, I just wanted to get your thoughts of when it happened, what your thought was, and and uh, if that's a pick that hopefully is under the radar and Don Sweeney's smarter than everyone else. Okay, <clears throat> that can be a general thing to be said about our entire draft is um, Don Sweeney must know something that maybe not all of us know. Um, a lot of those people we had discussed with Steve were still on the board, so I was thinking, you know, whatever. There were a lot of people on the board. I was a little shocked. I mean, it's an okay pick, I mean, as a develop, you know, for developmentally, but it's like you said, no one even kind of knew he's not like a high gonna maybe be ready in a year or two to help you out kind of pick. It's more of the, like, let's get more people in our system kind of pick. And I was a little shocked that for our first pick after not having a first round draft pick, this is the kid we picked. I don't know. That's all I can really say about it. I was a little like, what? Like, that's it. I don't know, Mark. Yeah. I, I was a little, um, weirded out about this one. You know, obviously, um, the, I, I was thinking it was going to be a wing, because uh, I thought that we, we were basically addressing some needs there, not for the immediate needs, because I don't think any of these players, except for a first round pick, has the potential to actually be in the NHL the following season after they get drafted. But um, I wanted a wing. I wanted to get some more wingers in the process uh, when you're developing. So, but Don Sweeney and his scouting staff have been known to go off the board and, and address certain needs that they see fit. So, um, they're, they're definitely smarter than I could ever be when it comes to uh, evaluating talent. But uh, just going on by what some of the scouts have been saying is, is, is Lorai, uh, he possesses a decent skating ability for a big kid. He can cover a lot of the ice east to west in a defensive uh, posture using his feet and reach. So he's got a huge reach. Um, and he's, he's uh, 6'3". He's 195 pounds right now, so by the time he's in the NHL, he's gonna he's got to be at least 220, I would think. So uh, that is going to be something to to look at um, and how he's groomed and so on. The process for me was interesting because um, before he went to the USHL, uh, he went to uh, Culver Academy and a military academy, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's um, work ethic for me, character. Is, is something that checks the box off on this one. It's not all about what I think they should have picked, but it's what uh, uh, needs they, they addressed. So I can't even talk, but um, it's, a, it's a work in progress. This, this is such a gamble. If it works out, we're all going to be looking silly. So <clears throat> that's all I got to say about Mason. Yeah, you know, Mason, uh, you know, I, he did play for the Green Bay Gamblers, the United States Hockey League. Uh, had a good season for them. He is committed to the Ohio State Buckeyes in 21-22. Uh, 
Uh, he's, you know, he's, it's unsure how long he'll play college hockey, maybe at least probably two years anyway. So you're looking at a kid that's probably not going to be even in the system for a good three to four years. And maybe some financial implications are uh, involved in this where you don't want to sign kids to pro contracts right away. Um, you know, the uncertainty of the financial revenue and financial status, all of these players, all four of them seem to be players coming down the road some, uh, all headed to major college uh, hockey at some point as well. And that leads me to number the second, the third round pick at 89, and that was Trevor Kutar, who's actually committed to Boston College this year. It seemed to be more in line with the type of First of all, in the in the rankings, it was sort of in more in line where he would typically fall, people said. And he had another sort of stocky 200-pound player who is, by all accounts, plays with a good motor, uh, good in the corners, uh, go to greasy areas, and plays with a lot of competitiveness. I actually kind of like this pick from what I read, so I, I wanted to get Mark Gere read on Trevor Kuntar. This, yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in, in this kid. Um, another off the board. They're all off the board, so we're just gonna say that right now. But he's six. He's he's six feet tall. He's over two hundred pounds for a uh, centerman. He's got good size. Um, but what w- what I found interesting is he's this is his third year in the uh, in the USHL, which is you don't really hear that too often. You hear one year and then they go right into the freshman season. So he's been. He's been touted a lot younger than than a lot of these guys that are going into uh, into college. So that's good on him because he's getting more experience. And the USHL is just another tremendous junior tier league in the United States. So um, to have all that experience and then go into your freshman season at at, at BC, um, it, it just it just really checks off a couple boxes there. Uh, Youngstown is a great program in the USHL, and. Um, uh, he's got good skating strength and coordination. Uh, looks very improved from last season. Uh, he's about six foot flat, but uh, plays a solid near 200 pounds. And um, this is all coming from um, the black book. I'm not, this isn't, this isn't my, my stuff. But um, he, he, uh, he still has a better shot game rate at nearly 4.5 per. So that's good. The kid shoots the puck a lot. And uh, you know he's got good speed, so it, it's it, it, another solid addition into the the whole development scheme. Um, and hopefully it works out. Heather, what did you think of this pick? I thought, even though again, really again off the board, but that Sweeney always finds kind of random players. But I thought I agree with you in that. I thought that this player seemed a lot more like the Bruins, like Steve said. The Bruins have a style. They don't have like they don't draft position or anything else. It's more of like a Bruins type player uh, certainly satisfies the needs of having a bigger player, especially, you know, he'll grow into finish growing into being a man um, and young enough you can train him. But I agree with Mark. I think this is just indicative of the USHL system and the national team development system, just like how good these kids are. And I, I think it, Youngstown with the program they have is definitely going to serve him while going into college. Do you know what I mean? It kind of puts them not above the edge, but um, you know, to play D1 hockey is hard enough, but to really stand out. And um, I do like, he seems more our style. And um, that's all I have to say about that. Mark did all the stats and all that stuff. So what do you think was this? 
You know, I liked, I kind of liked this pick. I like the fact that we can watch him at BC. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, if, if BC is targeting him, then that's certainly playing high level hockey, hockey. So uh, I think we'll see, we'll obviously see a lot of him. I like the fact that he's a little rugged. I like that he is a competitive, I think competitiveness is very, very important. And I think sometimes it's underrated when we're, we're dealing with draft picks and what kind of motor they have. I think we've had that a little bit of that struggle with a, with a guy like Jake DeBrusque. You know, sometimes if you're not bringing it every night, you become inconsistent. And I think that a kid like Kuntar, as long as he keeps playing hard every night, I think he has, uh, he definitely has a chance anyway to, you know, to make a pro team down the road. Again, it'll be probably a couple of years before we see him, but I kind of liked this pick after being a little disappointed um, with that second round pick. And then with the fourth rounder, they didn't have one. So uh, Marcus Johansson trade cost them a fourth round pick a couple of years ago. So they went in the fifth round to a familiar name. And that was Mason Langenbrunner. His dad is the director of play, uh, player development uh, for the Bruins. And he's a former NHL or longtime NHL or Jamie Langenbrunner was a very good hockey player. And Mason comes in, um, you know, as a, as a kid that obviously they know him very well. And, um, you know, I kind of, you know, late, late in rounds, you know, usually you look back in the history, not a lot of late round picks even really sniff the NHL. So I think if they uh, can develop someone like Mason, um, I thought that, that it was a decent pick. I didn't know Heather, what, how you felt about the nepotism in the picks uh, for the Bruins. Um, I think it's, not it wasn't surprising. I mean, I'm a Bruins fan, but uh, I do like that he you know he's a bigger young again. He'll finish growing in, but he played Minnesota high school hockey, which is mm. really good. Also, within being in the developmental programs, and I like that he's a defenseman. So they're looking forward, right? Because the kid, the quote unquote kids prospects, whatever. I know you can't see me when I was doing the quotes, but um, they're all getting a little older, right? Like Yero and Zaboral, and like, what are we gonna get these guys up in here? if not ship them off, but I'm glad to see we're replenishing like kind of the next wave of the defenseman uh, to develop. Uh, I agree that uh, he, where's he going? Harvard? Yes. Something is he committed to Harvard? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot for a second. Um, But again, it, it goes to say uh, this goes to controlling their development, right? Like they're all high school. uh, They all played in the national development programs or like big time high school hockey like this. Uh, so they're elite within their own selves, even though they're in the lower pick ends. But I do, I think it's, he's a good case probably that it is good to have the hockey pedigree. Do you know what I mean? His father's going to make sure that he does things right. I love, you know, um, so that, that to me, I like, and again, another kid that we can see kind of locally, right? Like it'll be fun at bean pot time to sure. see some of the sure. prospects playing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with a lot of things that Heather said. And, but the thing is, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I thought that the conflict of interest would play a big part in this too, but that was, uh, easily squashed by, uh, general manager, John Sweeney, when he mentioned that Jamie will not, I mean, sorry, uh, Mason will not be directly, you know, trained by him. He'll be, you know, he'll be on the ice and so on for, for um, you know, training processes, but Chris Kelly, former Boston Bruins uh, forward, Chris Kelly will be uh, instrumental in his development moving forward to keep that whole the whole father son thing um, away from it. But Mason, and this is from the Black Book, on the um, uh, I keep forgetting what it's called, the Prospect something. I, I'm 
terrible. Uh, Mason has a way to go physically as he uh, has very lanky frame and lacks a lot of strength for a player his size, which costs him in some one-on-one situations, even at the high school level. So there's, there's things that he has to work on uh, physically, and I think the, uh, he's going to get that in, 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 at Harvard. Uh, you know, Ted Donato still coaching there, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm sure that um, the development process will be good for him whether he's there for two or, or the full ride. Um, but the other thing is, is it's, it's really cool for Boston to be so close uh, in, in the development scheme. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's just another work in progress for me, and I'm probably going to so cliche. It's so cliche, but it is what it is. Right. Langenbruder actually played at Sioux City of the USHL, had 19 points in 25 games for a defenseman, which I thought was you know, a really good sign. Uh, and like uh, Heather said, the bloodlines. Uh, I think are key, are key there, and I think it could be a decent prospect down the road. We'll, we'll certainly see. And then the sixth round, Riley Duran, Woburn kid, Woburn, Massachusetts, played at Lawrence Prep Academy. Um, good, uh, you know, seems to be a, another kid with size. And they, they went for four kids with some pretty good size, and Duran is a center. And wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Duran, Mark. Um, yeah, the, all, all the players that they picked were over six feet tall and, uh, and nearing 200 pounds. So uh, that you could basically tell where the Bruins are going with that, that they're trying to get bigger and, and badder. But, you know, not to the full extent of the big bad Bruins when, when, when skating was slow and it was more or less just a melee out there. But um, he played for the, uh, the Cape Cod Whalers, which is a, uh, an under 18 double A midget program. Um, and, uh, it, and Lawrence Academy, like you said, Matt, um, he's got solid offensive numbers with 22 goals, 22 assists and 27 games. Uh, statistics vary on Duran's offensive output with the Cape Cod Whalers. However, he had, uh, little trouble contributing at that level either. Uh, his skating has developed into a, a high end category and, uh, he has, he's got time to grow into his frame. So, um, these, are uh, from the hockey pros- prospects black book. So, uh, good. I mean, another, just another piece that's going to be in the fold. Heather, how'd you feel about Duran? Yeah. Again, another kid, it's a big kid. You know, they're looking, I guess they're going to try and breed the bigger players into the system is what their plan is. Um, and you know, once they finish growing, like Mark said, into their frames, uh, he's going to Providence next year, I think. So mm-hmm. I, another kid that you can keep close eye on. We'll see a lot of them with the Hockey East. And um, I don't know, just generally, I mean, what do you want? It's a six-round pick. I think it sounds like a solid six-round pick to kind of put in. And they are, you know, a lot. what I do like is that these what all these prospects, you know, coming into the prospect pool, they are young. So you can really help their development and track them from emerging from teenage players into potential NHL players, do you know what I mean? Or even solid AHL players and kind of help guide them. And it's not shocking though. Oh, wow. Another guy. Good. Well, what was all the people were saying like, you know, Wolburn and we got Walpool, you know, Weymouth. Great. We're just, let's draft one from every town or let's get one from every town. It's a Massachusetts thing, I guess. Uh, But no, like again, for a six round draft pick seems all right to me, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think, uh, He'll play for the Youngstown Phantoms this coming year, which actually is a team that Kuntar played for. So we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what his development brings. And that'll bring us to our next topic on the agenda. And 
And we'll move on to actually something that actually has to do with this draft. And that's the fact that the Bruins didn't have a number uh, first round pick and, you know, whether or not they were to trade back in, my thoughts are that they really didn't have any intention to. And I think it for a couple of reasons. One, I think they thought this was a, a little bit of a deeper draft and they could get some talent down the line where they were. And also, I think there probably were some financial ramifications of do we really want to get a, get a kid that maybe more ready sooner or have to pay a little bit more. So I think that those factors maybe came into play with the first round pick, but I, I don't know, uh, Heather, what your thoughts were. were. Were you clamoring for a first round pick or I, I just seem to be okay with it, to be honest. I, on one hand, it's like, I really want this. If this is how it's going to go, I want this team to do something big. So it was like, okay, maybe this is going to pop off uh, a lot of stuff, but to be fair, the draft generally, there wasn't a lot of jockeying for position that much. You know what I mean? Like I thought Ottawa, why don't we just let them draft the whole draft? Like, that's what I was starting to think. Uh, but I don't, I feel like maybe because Sweeney's always playing the long game that it wasn't worth it. Do you know what I mean? Whatever he would have had to give up for a first round pick wasn't worth it to him. So in that, I'm glad we didn't, you know, piss away a lot of stuff to get a first round. I'd rather just struggle through free agency. And frankly, right now I'm struggling through, but no, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised either. Cause John's not going to bet the farm, especially not for a first round draft pick. Know what I mean? He needs something now. He's got a lot of pressure on him now. So that was just my thoughts on it. I, I wasn't surprised he didn't do something big, but it kind of would have been awesome if there was a giant big, like to shake it all up. Cause I kind of am like in a blow it up zone now. Mark. I will. I wanted to get back into the first round. Um, uh, definitely. And um, I don't know what's going to happen with the whole uh, Jake DeBrus thing. We'll talk about that later. But um, he definitely could have been uh, in play to get into that first round. So uh, obviously that they're still, you know, involved in what, what, what he can do for the team. So, um, but yeah, I really wanted to get back in. I wanted to get a higher, uh, a higher pick. I wanted to get the winger. Um, and, and it was so bruins. It really was so bruins to go defense first. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, it, I, I agree. It's, yeah. it's trending. It's just like, you know, they're going to pick a defenseman. And the last, the last first round to pick was, was Beecher. And before mm-hmm. that they went defenseman with McAvoy. And then they went with the, with the 29th pick, uh, Frederick. So, you know, it was just so bruins to do something like that. Yeah. And I agree, Mark. And I, 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 I guess, Part of the reason why I didn't mind them not going back in the first round because I really don't know who they they would pick and if it would hit. Like if you if you were to make a trade, then you really have to hit on that pick. And I'm I don't know if I have a ton of confidence in it to be to be honest. And then when you see the second round pick selected, and you think, well, why would you why would you go into the first round when you're probably going to take a reach guy anyway? So it just it was uh, I don't know if that's probably more so what I was concerned about. Because I obviously, without a first round pick for fans, it's not as exciting. But I just don't know if I was confident enough in that that whole scenario of going into the first round and then taking a guy that's down the board. It would have frustrated me even more, to be honest with you. Um, and we're on, on to the next topic, which is their seventh round pick. They actually traded it to the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Maple Leafs 2021 seventh round pick. Um, I don't know if you guys had any quick thoughts on this. I you know, seventh round picks or seventh round picks. And I guess you can't reach too far beyond the seventh round. Maybe they didn't have a guy, you know, 570th that they could pick in the seventh round. I'm, I'm not sure, but I didn't know, uh, Mark, if you had any thoughts on making that trade or if it even mattered, to be honest. 
I thought it was strange. I, I, I was just, yeah. what are you doing? If you're going to make yeah. a trade with anybody, do it in earlier rounds. But, um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't get it at all. Um, uh, it's, it, it's not like they, they're projecting a certain player at the seventh round next season. It's just, right. you know, I, I don't know if they were trying to do him a solid for, a, for a, you know, fleecing them on the RAS deal and then, you know, the, yeah. the whole first round with Kessel and blah, blah, blah. So um, who knows? Man, yeah, that's no. what I thought it was just bizarre. Like, yeah. again, it's not like you swapped them for next year's fifth round pick or something. It was like you right. literally just traded another. So unless you think next year's seventh round is a lot deeper than this year's seventh round, just seems kind of weird to me as seventh rounds go. Uh, what is that? Someone in your division and you trade, like, so you just swap it. I don't know. I just thought it was bizarre. Like, well, is that a sign of something bigger or is that just like, I really don't want to weed through the rest of this right now. You can have it this year. You seem to have someone you're eyeing. I don't know. That was just, that's all I have to say about that. I just thought it was more weird. Like Mark said, like what's going on? Yeah, I, I agree. I thought, I thought it was almost like it, it's the, because you can't pass, <laughs> you can't defer. You just sent it for next year's and you'll figure off two sevens you have next year. I don't know. It was just kind of an odd, an odd mood move at the end of the draft. Um, we'll go on to the next uh, agenda topic, and it's a familiar name that we've heard the last few weeks. Josh Anderson, forward for the Columbus Blue Jackets, was actually traded to the Montreal Canadiens for Max Domi in a third-round pick, and then subsequently signed a seven-year deal with Montreal, which I thought was a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, so looking back, the Bruins and Josh Anderson were connected very often the last few weeks. Should the Bruins have made a similar offer to get him? And you would think with Domi, who was a restricted free agent, and the third, you would assume it would have been DeBrusque, at least DeBrusque in the third. Uh, should the Bruins have done that? I'll start with you, Heather. I'm wondering if that wasn't... I actually am kind of wondering if we weren't in and tie Domi. You know, there was a lot of rumors about DeBrusque going to Montreal. I'm not wondering if we didn't have a similar trade in the thing and it just didn't, you know, we tend to be in the mix, but not, don't tend to actually get in the final, whatever. Um, I absolutely think we should have made a bigger push though. I mean, we talked about with Josh Anderson. Yes, it's iffy. We don't know his shoulder or whatever, but as we talked about, he is a pretty solid player. He's going to be in your lineup most days, not anything major, you know, and at least meaningfully contribute at most points. I, again, was shocked, too, like you said, with a seven-year extension. That seems a little much for a guy that just came off major shoulder surgery or whatever, but that's just me. Um, but, yes, I absolutely feel like we could have easily come up with something like that, right? Because it seems we're going to end up giving up stuff anyways to really get something done at this point. I um, mean, you know, we're only three days into the offseason here, really. But uh, things are heating up everywhere but here. Uh, but, yeah, I actually – I don't know why. Like, what what is it that we couldn't have offered – Columbus and Josh Anderson, you know what I mean? That he would go to Montreal unless it was a guaranteed seven year extension. I don't know. All right. For, for me, it was definitely a health issue. Let's see how that shoulder, like you touched on Heather. Um, also another thing that uh, has to be considered is, um, is that term. Um, would, would a deal like that happen with the Bruins? So they might've talked about it and said, listen, you know, if we, if we do this trade, I want to do a trade and sign. If that wasn't discussed later on, that might have been the, the, the factor of the seventh year. Um, you know, if you're not going to give a player like somebody we're going to talk about later on a seventh year, 
why would you go after a guy that's um, that you, you don't know how his future is going to end up with that shoulder? Uh, I think that the Bruins are looking for shorter term deals these days. Um, I, I I would love to have a player like Josh Anderson. He checks a lot of the boxes of that power forward, the guy that gets to the net and doesn't take any shit. So, um, you know, I think they could have done something, but I, I also am so worried about what could happen in the future uh, if he takes a hit in like game one. We're, we're, we're stuck with that contract, and and, uh, and unfortunately, I don't want I don't want to see anybody injured, but. Um, you know, Montreal's really, they're really stacking them, themselves up to be a, uh, a heavier team to play against. Uh, I don't believe that they're going to be pushed around much anymore. And Bergevin's actually doing something uh, good uh, to, uh, to, to bolster his, his uh, defense and, and offense to uh, be a little more competitive. But um, yeah, I mean, the term was a little too much for me. It's a little too uh, insecure in insurance policy. Yeah, I mean, it was seven years, thirty-eight and a half million. So I think in Sweeney got win from the the agent that they were really looking for a long-term contract, and Montreal was willing to do it, and that's probably what made Sweeney balk. I mean, he's it just seems right now that they're not really trying to commit long-term, just probably because of the financial sort of uncertainty of what's going to be happening down the road here. And again, like Heather says, he's coming off major surgery, and he had one goal last year. Um, the, it's a real sort of mystery player, I still think. He, he does check off some boxes for you size-wise and all that, but I think you can get I, – I put it this way. I I like Craig Smith more than Josh Anderson, and not just because player for player, but because of the circumstances involved. He didn't have to give up anything for him. He signed him to a very friendly deal. So I, I like – I like. I think you know what you're going to get from Smith. He has five 20 goal seasons in the last seven, so I think you know it's pretty consistent. Josh Anderson's too much of a question mark to go that long term, so I I, uh, I sort of agree. The 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 Montreal Canadiens actually had an excellent draft too. So to your point, Mark, about about size and heaviness, they've certainly gone that route in the draft. I know that Steve Cornianos was raving about them draft time they seem to hit on all the guys that sort of, they seem to have a plan. And I, I think that the, you know, I think the Bruins, I think you can see a little bit of the plan if you really dig deep, but it didn't seem to be quite the plan that Montreal did. And I thought they really won the draft. Uh, certainly one of the top, top teams in the draft. Um, on to the next item on the agenda and defenseman Matt Grizzlick, restricted free agent, actually files for arbitration after getting a qualifying offer that was $1.4 million from the club. Uh, not surprising. He has arbitration rights. That's a low contract. He's more, you know, he's more valuable than that. Just wanted to know uh, your thoughts, and I'll start with Heather. My thought on Grizzly is I thought that he'd be sort of a $3 million player going in before I saw the, the salary structures going around and the deals going around. So it could be that he gets a little less than I thought, which has certainly helped the team when they're trying to add some more pieces. So I don't know what your thoughts would be. And just to just as an aside or, a, or an add-on to this, the Bruins haven't gone to arbitration since 2008, and that was Blake Wheeler on a $2.2 million deal. The last guy was Danton Heinen, and they settled before arbitration for, I believe, 2.8. So typically the Bruins don't like to go to arbitration. What are your thoughts, Heather, on whether or not you think they will and what you think Grizzlick may get? 
I gotta be honest, if I'm Matt Grizzlick after watching whatever just went down with Krug, the fact that our captain, we had no word on whether he's getting re-signed, whatever else. Um, I feel like the contract was a I get it's the you know qualifying offer or whatnot, but Matt Grizzlick, I agree with you. I thought it would be more they would give him something kind of like Craig Smith had, like three for three or something like that. You know, it's kind of a bridge deal, like, hey, we're all on the take one for the team mentality with our thing. But that's low. They only offered him like one four or something. That Matt Grizzlick is worth way more to this team and out in the league than that. So I think they'll settle before they actually get to that point, just like Heinen did. But I really think you are at least a two. Like you got to be giving him two four or give him two. You know what I mean? That's. I mean, he's proved his worth to your team. He's worth at least two. If you look at the quote-unquote comparables, they always say out there on the market, he's definitely at least a $2 million second pairing or whatever defenseman. And I'm, I'm starting to think, like, is Sweeney and them trying to dick this whole team? That I'm sorry, but that's what I'm starting to think. So, sorry, boys, move on. I'm, I'm having a hard week on my defensive side here. So, don't make me can't. So, what do you guys think? I think it's too low ball. That's kind of seems a little too low for me. Well, in a salary cap world and, and what they're trying to do right now and, and 2020 and how everything is so compressed, um, I think that they were they were doing it smart to give him uh, a qualifying offer, which he accepted. He did accept that. So it means that he wants to work with the team, but it, it comes down to the whole dollar value. And um, when that's being said, believe it or not, an arbiter really goes the trend or the or the percentage goes towards the player very rarely do, do they go in favor of the organization but like matt brought up earlier we haven't gone to arbitration with a player since 2008 correct mm, right. so so my my theory is is they offered him the qualifying offer is to say 1.5 he'll probably accept uh, right before they go to arbitration a 2.5 deal which isn't bad at all I was thinking the three point uh, three to three point five million uh, over the summer, so that's really not a bad range to be in. So it, we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean Matt's Matt's a good defenseman, um, and he's now your your fallback on that type of player that can be mobile, has the speed, um, maybe you know a little defensive sounder, but you know if you're comparing apples to oranges. He, he's pretty much comparable to what we lost. So, yeah. On the and on the other hand, you know, the Bruins are kind of in a bind on the left side, and Mac Rizlik has some potential, I think, to be more than he's been a third pair. You know, basically, um, people are projecting him. Maybe he could be first pair. I don't. I don't quite think so, just because of the size and, and the long wear and tear of a season. But I think he, you are in a little bit of a bind. You're not. You're not heavy on the left side like you are on the right side. So that sort of, you know, you sort of, so, you know, you just need to see what the deal is or see if you can make a deal, but you kind of have to make the deal because you, you need, you really need Matt Grizzlick this season, especially if you can't turn uh, DeBrusque into a defenseman or, or fill that hole. However you see fit. If you, if you, if you sign Taylor Hall at 7 million a year, you're not going to have a lot of money left over for other guys on that left side. And, I mean, you bring Chara back, you can't be a top pair. I'm sorry, I love Z a lot, but you can't, you just can't do it. So, and I don't know if Grizzly can do it, but you need a combination of those two guys to fill that spot if you can't. So it's an interesting, it's sort of an interesting deal. Um, 
you also could look back and say the guys who they've gone to arbitration with, they've quickly gotten rid of later. I don't know if that's a coincidence or if that's uh, something that happens and, uh, and leaves sort of a mark. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Grizzlick. I think he's a good player. I think he's valuable, even more valuable than he probably should be based on the circumstances. And it'll be interesting to see if they can work out a deal. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. Real on that. I do want to say, though, you know what I'm sick of hearing is how in this cap world and everything, this isn't at you, Mark. This is a general, like everyone's saying that. Well, that's weird because every other team seems to be able to be getting something done, like something major to kind of shore up their team or whatever they need to do. And we're the only ones. So now I am starting to feel like I want to fight with Don Sweeney because I do feel like, you can't do both. You can't go big or stay home. And that's exactly what you do. You kind of stay in the middle. So I'm sick of hearing that we can't do it when I'm watching everyone else sign their RFAs with very fair deals and everything else. So that's all I wanted to say before we move on to the next signing, because my head wants to explode. Thank yeah. you. This is not what I needed on Friday night, the next two items. Thank you very much. When it when it comes to the salary cap, every team has their own philosophy. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's not all the same. So... Um, the, the, the Bruins are, are so into creating cap friendly deals to have the wiggle room to make sure that they can do something at the trade deadline. But in my opinion, and I will, I want to fight Don Sweeney myself too, just for the, I'm, I'm kidding of course, but yeah. just, just for this purpose is if we don't, I mean, we, we got somebody and we'll talk about it later. I'm just, I, I keep bringing stuff up, but, um, Sooner or later, these free agents out there are going to be looking at Boston and say, listen, I, I could go there for a short, short-term deal, but then my other contract that I want to stick around is probably going to be talked down to because they do the, you know, the team-friendly thing. Um, so that, to me, possibly could deter some, um, some high-profile free agents from coming here. So Agreed. I think that the, their philosophy needs to change a little bit. And, and whether that be in the front office, um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, you know, I, I like Don Sweeney and everything. He's a great guy. But sometimes I just really think that his, his, his uh, uh, just the way he does things and the way the, the management does things, it's just, it's not up to par. So, but they are in a better position than I am. But we'll see what happens. But it's just, it is frustrating. I, I do understand, Heather. Yeah, and I and I, I agree. And it, you raise a really good point about the free agents coming and then looking to extend further. People around the league see that. And I also think it it's interesting that Bergeron called Craig Smith and talked to him about the fit and how guys do things a certain way and buy into you know the system and taking a little bit less. And it worked. But as Bergeron and these guys leave, I don't think, I think you've already seen it with Tory Krug, is that eventually you don't have guys who are going to take discounts. So I think that this core has, and Bergeron's been a big factor, maybe even more than we thought when it comes to taking lesser money, uh, as past Pasternak did, as Marcin did, as Shara has done. So, but with Krug not taking less, and now other guys maybe not coming or seeing the handwriting on the wall. I think it raises a really good point that, um, that maybe it does affect, you know, people signing here and then will they be fully committed because the team isn't fully committed to them sort of thing. So it raises an interesting dynamic that you, that you brought up and didn't really think of it that way, but it all sort of 
comes together when you think of the core, like Bergeron, who have taken less money, and then they can talk to players and say, hey, take less money, we did, we're in this together. And it's worked to a point, but maybe it's not working so much anymore. So that's an interesting, interesting thought. Um, a guy who's been around for a while, but he hasn't been on the ice as we move on to the next topic, is Kevin Miller, defenseman who feel like, feels like he hasn't played for the better part of two years, uh, has shoulders that are about to just disintegrate. And, but he was brought back in, sort of a surprising move for me. And they bring him back for, on a one-year deal, I think it was, and they were cap hit of $1.25 million as a depth piece. I I like Kevin Miller and I and I feel terrible for what how his career has gone and so forth. And he is a tough player. He does bring an element of toughness to the defensive core, which I think they miss. I just think they have some young guys who I'd rather see in there. And I think they have enough, especially on the right side. It's just, I don't know. I I, I feel like a jerk for saying this, but I just think the time for Kevin Miller is done. And I think this is a sentimental move. And I think they've done this a few times with players where they feel a little sentimental value there. And I don't know, Mark, I, 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 I like Kevin Miller to a point, but I liked him three years ago. I mean, right now he's 33. He's coming off major injury. He hasn't played in a long time. I don't know if this is a guy that you really want to invest anything into, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of this at all. I, um, this is a buddy, buddy thing in my opinion. This is uh, you've really grinded for this organization. You've did everything that you needed to do uh, from Providence up to the NHL level. And this is a, um, I believe, a pat in the back uh, kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, I, I understand the depth. I understand it. It's a low cap. But um, uh, speaking of that cap, cap friendly came out uh, not too long ago because they didn't have the implications of what the contract structure was going to be like concerning bonuses. But his actual AAV, which which is just pissed me off even more about this, is actually two million dollars. Oh. Um, yeah, but his cap hits one twenty five. Right. So if you look if you look at if you look at the uh, the bonus details, games played bonus, he gets five hundred and fifty thousand dollars for ten games. Um, no, I'm sorry, he gets five hundred fifty thousand dollars in bonuses. 10 games, 250K, 20 games, 125K, 30 games, 100K, 40 games, 75K, playoff bonus, 200K, and if the club qualifies for the playoffs and the, and the player played in 50% of the games, uh, he gets another thing. And a contract note, uh, we show Miller having a $250,000 signing bonus when um when he's actually on the uh on a roster bonus which is it's it's totally weird yeah so well, it's easily um, broken out into different different yeah. sort of touch points where he gets to a certain point and but i i agree with you you know it's a it's still a little bit of a lot to invest and i, I don't know how they're if you, you're a defenseman fan and uh i think if he was on the left side i i th- i would think about it a lot more as it would make sense a little bit more but uh, on the right side, I just don't need, think you need this, to be honest. Okay, so I know probably the listeners are waiting for me to melt down during the Tory Crew talk, which will happen. I noticed Mark can't even say Tory Crew because he doesn't want me to start melting no, down. Just... That's fine. But um, 
I, thank you. And I appreciate that, brother, because you know it's been rough. But this makes my head want to explode. No offense to Kevin Miller. And I have made very clear how I feel about Kevin Miller. Kevin Miller is a lovely man, but there is 152 other stand-up, big kind of defensemen on the team. And I agree that this is totally a loyalty contract. And the reason it makes me want to split my head open is you haven't even played a game in two years and you're going to give Matt Grizzly one four as a qualifying offer. And you're going to, who isn't injured and he's been consistently in your lineup. You're going to let Tory Krug walk over a year to give Kevin Miller up to $2 million. If you play 10 games, give me a break. I want Char to have that contract before I want him to have that contract. And I agree with you. It's not like he's going to solve the left side. Now we have all the, Oh, this is a shock of shocks where right defenseman heavy again and the left side is looking like it's about to disappear. I mean, Jesus, Chara doesn't have a contract. Krug is gone. Grizzly, who knows? You know, I just, this contract, for all the reasons Mark just listed, I just, this is the point in which Don Sweeney and I, so I waited around patiently all day on Friday for something to happen, only to have Kevin Miller in kind of a mercy contract get re-signed. That's ridiculous to me. I just, it's no offense to Kevin Miller. Like it sucks how it's all gone down with your career. It really does. I feel for you. You know what I mean? I understood when we had to either keep Miller or McQuaid because they're kind of the same player. I get that, but you're going to let Krug walk. You're going to maybe let Grizzly go end up out in the, you know, whatever, which they'll probably settle and that's fine. But we need to maybe waste this 1.2 to $2 million. Like I need a giant, pickaxe shoved inside of my head right now. Like this is, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I normally trust on Sweeney, but then you sign Kevin Miller on the first day of free agency. Like does nobody want to play in Boston? And I'm starting to think no one does for all the reasons Mark said before. As Bergeron and them start going away, it's not going to be attractive. Even if you get a new training facility and all these other things, my head wants to explode. I'm sorry. I have no words because I do not understand the signing like, I would rather take that extra mill if you're not going to sign Tory Krug and go get Petrangelo. Know what I mean? Like, Jesus, what are you, what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. And you're right. Defense is very important to me. And I, I'm starting to melt down just generally about our defense. What is going on with this? Kevin Miller, blah, Matt, go, sorry. I, I think I, I, to Mark's point, I think it's a, it's a buddy, it's a buddy deal. And it's a, and it's a thanks for your, for everything you've done for us and really Try really hard to get back on the ice and so forth, and put your put your body on the line for us. I think that's and look, it's only a one point two five million cap hit, and I get it. Like it's not a five million dollar deal, but you get it, it, if you start playing that game, it gets it. It can get a little dicey, and, and you can get caught with your pants down if you keep if you do the sentimental thing with uh with a guy like a kevin miller and again he hasn't played in a couple of years so i i think you're going to need every ounce of money you get i mean you have about 11 million left right now after the smith and miller signings and if you sign hall for like seven now you're down to four with the brust and grizzlet there i mean it's the money goes quick and you were in a good spot to begin with but the money goes quick especially for this year next year you're in a better spot but this year I don't know. You can get, you can be up against it. If you can't move a couple of guys, you can't move John Moore's contract. I mean, so now they, they have Miller and I mean, Miller and John Moore right now are $4 million against cap. Like, well, man, that just, that, that's just not good. Not smart hockey, not smart business. 
So I, I, and again, it's not a knock on Kevin Miller. I, I respect him for, for working so hard to get back at it. Respect the way he plays. Tough, tough guy. But I don't know. I think you have some young guys who I'd rather have in there. I'd rather see Connor Clifton in there 65 games than Kevin Miller. And because he won't be in there 65 games, he'll be hurt within eight games. And then you're stuck with this money. So I'm, I'm, I'm just not a fan. Um, no, preach, preach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, it's just, it's just not. I don't know. It's just not. And again, I feel nitpicky because it's really not a lot of money. But I just think it's, it's not. It's just not something that you need to do. Right? It's just not something that you need to do. And it's. Um, I can see if you got rid of John Moore's contract yesterday and then said, "Okay, Kevin Miller, we'll give you one point two five. I'd feel a little bit better about it, but but you're not really getting rid of any contracts and you're kind of sliding that in with Chara out there. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of pieces still to be, to be done. And I just want to um, Next on the agenda <laughs> is um, the departure of Tory Krug. And finally, and it's sort of out of the blue, so to speak, no pun intended, was yeah. that he ended up with the St. Louis Blues, a team that really wasn't on the radar there. But I think when they got sort of, to the point where they thought that Alex Pietrangelo was not coming back, then they went to a plan B that sort of was off the radar a bit for me anyway, and signed Tory Crew for seven million, uh, sorry, seven years, um, and for six and a half million per year. So I, I, my thought was this, and Tory actually had some interesting comments saying that the Bruins offered him a year ago and then really didn't come back to the offer and en- ended up pulling it later on when all we sort of heard about with rumors was that there was still a toe in the water, that the Bruins were giving a little bit of more of an offer. And then here's one final offer and it's still on the table and still open to coming back. But it didn't seem like that was really the case. And again, I said this all along, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not investing $7 million, seven years rather to a 30 year old undersized defenseman who in the grand scheme of things, isn't really a great defenseman, so to speak. And I've also looked at some numbers power play-wise, where the top line, the power play top unit, has actually had just as good a production with him not there. And it's really centered on the forwards rather than him. So there's been some interesting stats going around, interesting information about that. Look, I I think he's a good player. And I think that he, I'm okay with him at, you know, even at five and a half, six, but if that like five years would make me feel a lot better than seven. So if they want to, if the Bruce want to invest in him, then that's fine. But I'm, I'm okay with it. But it was just odd that it was St. Louis after all that losing to them in the cup final and the, the whole Robert Thomas situation when he ran him over and it just seemed like a team out of the blue. So I don't know. I, I don't know how that just really hurts you. So I'll give you the floor on this one. Okay. I'm going to need a minute, boys. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I would like to thank Tory Krug for his service. I know he's probably not listening, but it's not just me. A lot of Bruins fans, I think, as Matt, you just pointed out, we're more shocked that this happened. Um, we knew this was a possibility, and I'm a grown-up, and um, I am a super sports fan, but I can also separate reality from whatever. Like, the life will go on. Tory Krug's a St. Louis Blue. We knew he could be not here. Thank God he's not a Montreal Canadian, okay? Um, Thumbs up for that one. If anyone's wondering, um, I'm not doing okay, especially after Kevin Miller in this... For me, the biggest thing of this whole entire thing is how shady this all went down, right? So for a year, we've been led to believe the Bruins and Krug 
have been in talks and as a fan base, even Friday, right? All of us are like, okay, what's up with Tori Kurt? You know, whatever. Only to find out that they had pulled, you know, again, this is a tale of two presses, right? So Tory Krug basically comes out and says, they pulled my offer that they offered me a year ago. They didn't even come back. And we kept hearing how he seemed to be on board of like, okay, after the playoffs, after we get back in the play. And, you know, it didn't seem like Tory Krug wasn't playing the I want to be team friendly. Now, we all agree seven years, even I as a Tory Krug lover, seven years is a long time, right? But as Mark has pointed out on Twitter the last couple of days, you couldn't have dropped a seven mil, six mil contract on him. Like he would have stayed, you know what I mean? He's, he's leaving the only team he's ever known after. I mean, it's nine seasons of being on the actual team, but 11 years of being in the system and in Providence and stuff that to me sends exactly the message that Mark was talking about. Yes. We're loyal to you to a point, you know, now Don Sweeney says, Hey, we couldn't come to term and rare Admiral put the funniest thing. Yeah. Like seven years, not term. Right. You know what I mean? I'm most upset. It went down like this. And also now there's like the boys are tweeting each other and, and Instagramming each other with all the sad goodbyes. I can't deal with it. Again, it doesn't make sense to me. You're going to sign Kevin Miller who hasn't been on the ice one damn time. Right but you're not going to maybe give Tory Krug seven for six. Cause I guarantee you, if you offered him seven for six, he would have taken it. And I do agree that maybe six is even a little too long for his age, but I can't Don Sweeney's acting shady this week. Okay. Even yesterday with Chara is kind of like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever. Chara deserves the one, two more than Kevin Miller does not to be a bitch. Excuse my language. I'm trying not to swear Mark. I really, really am so That's hard, right. but Right. I think the thing that upsets me most about Tory Krug and good on him, right? We all agree. Tory Krug deserves his money. Okay. So if it took one year or an extra 500, whatever it is, good for him. But to have him, the news of him signing with St. Louis break, while you have Kevin Miller giving his presser about re-signing with the Bruins, you guys are so lucky you can't see me right now because I'm starting to lose my That is ridiculous. And then... Why Tory Cruz giving his presser as the new, and when I saw St. Louis defense, and that's when I started just, I can't deal with this right now. They break the like, thanks Tory video coming from NHLBruins.com. Hey, here's the, you can't see me, but here's the double middle finger to all of you in the Bruins organization at this point. Like that's not, it's just shady. Okay, I'll shut up now and let somebody else talk, but it's just shady. Don Sweeney is acting very shady the last four or five days. And I don't know what the truth is, whether Krug's truth is the real truth or Don Sweeney's is the real truth. But either way, this isn't a good look on the Bruins, I don't think. Because if you're not going to be loyal to a player like Tory Krug, who's synonymous with at this point with the Bruins, again, that's to what Mark said. It's going to make future free agents be like, well, if I'm not Bergeron or Marshawn, then what the hell do I want to play in Boston and play the tax and all this other crap? You know, sorry. All right, I'll shut up. Sorry, Tori, I love you. Uh, all right. Um, the... It is what it is. I kind of thought we were going to lose him anyway, um, but I'm, I'm, I think it's very shameful that they didn't get anything for him. All these talks of of uh, tra- uh, trading his rights for a draft pick, I thought would have been uh, a little more suitable, but wait until the 11th hour and nothing happening, and then he pulls the trigger on signing with uh, the, the St. Louis Blues um, was a little unfortunate. Um, I'm definitely going to miss uh, Tory. Uh, you know, he wasn't my favorite defenseman, not my favorite player, but he played a, a pretty key role on the power play. He was a point producer, um, and some of those some of those defensemen like him uh, just don't grow on trees. So hopefully we can find a replacement for him and those numbers and that power play production 
But, um, it, you know, when you want to make certain moves forward and you want to address certain needs like like forwards and so on, you need to um, obviously have the cap space to do it. So this is probably a cap move, too, by not keeping them around and having some flexibility on addressing those needs that I just said. So um, it, I thought it was a little shady on how everything came out, whether it's true or not. I, who knows? We're not we're not in the room. But um, if the Bruins did not have any words with him for a whole year, uh, in the reports coming out that, uh, uh, what, three weeks ago that they offered him six by six, and um, then they pulled it, well, then that's just bullshit reporting. And that's on the media to stir the uh, the uh, the controversy that's going on in Boston right now. So we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, it's it, it was a good run. It was a good run, and uh, and hopefully he, he's going to be uh, a, a a better defenseman in St. Louis because those guys obviously we've seen how def- uh, St. Louis can play, especially in the playoffs. Uh, they're a real hard, rugged team. So um, for every Tory Krug mistake, there'll be one big guy right there to make up for it. So. Um, you know, best of luck to him and uh, and family and and um, I wonder if he's going to name his dog Bush now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it boils down to the Bruins had a difference had their their thought on Tory Krug as a player changed during this past season. I think that last if it, if it's true that they offered him a year ago for that pretty fair deal, which I thought was, it was fair that he didn't have a great postseason in the bubble. He just didn't play that well. And it looked like he was getting bounced around a bit. And all the fears that you have about undersized defensemen seemed to come to fruition against Tampa Bay in this last series uh, in the second round. And I think that their thought changed. I think things changed. And I think that the Bruins in that scenario thought, okay, two years, two years now in a row, we've lost to a heavier team. And here comes Tory Krug down the pipeline. And we've offered him last year because he was very good the year before. But now it just didn't seem like he played as well. And I think that they had a change, a little bit of a change of philosophy and change of heart and a realization that we got to get a little bigger. And if we're going to put this kind of money into players, then they have to, we have to be heavier and bigger and play a more physical style. And I think that that's, I think, it sort of lines up that way that that's probably what happened and why it wasn't revisited even in the last few weeks here with him. So I'm, I'm thinking that that's what the cause was of sort of looking a little shady and weird, but I think that they were in a position where they said, you know what, we've been fighting it and we have to get back to more physicality and to sign this guy anywhere long-term seven years, or whatever, the big deal is just not in line with what we need to do going forward. And everything else sort of points to bigger and more physical uh, grinding sort of style. And it wouldn't have lined up that way. So I'm thinking that maybe that's the case. I think they like Tori a lot. And I think they're sad to see him go. But the business side of it, I think they went a different route. And I think when you go a different route, it's hard to tell the player, I mean, what do you say? Like, yeah, we, we offered you a year ago, but now we, we don't want to do it anymore. So it's... Um, it, it led to an awkward situation, and I feel bad for Tory because he he was an underdog. Boston loves underdogs. Fans love underdogs, and he was an underdog for years, undersized, undrafted free agent, the whole thing. And that's part of the reason why the fans love him so much. But I think if you take a step back, you can't 
you can't get to the point where you overrate him and then overpay him and then commit too long to him. And I think that that's really what it boiled down to with the Bruins. Uh, it's okay if they take that money and go somewhere else with it. Yeah. Um, if they don't, then it looks worse. Yeah, yeah the offseason the off is far from over, so anything could happen. Um, but as a, as a weekly podcast, we just kind of touch on all the news that we're trying to, to gather. But um, if if this offseason continues like this, and we're not able to, to, to land any big free agents, and you're especially not able to, to replace that spot, um, then this is not going to look good. This is going to be a face wash in Don Sweeney and Cam Neely's face. I was going to say, that's my last point. Like, obviously, as and I don't, and as much as I appreciate all the other fans out there, I think Mark can attest, I am the original Tory fan girl. Yes, always will be. Um, but that's my thing is at this point, we all knew he could go. Okay. So that's not what I'm upset about. I'm shady. It's, it's shady. So now do something, Don Sweeney. And I, this doesn't make me wonder if maybe because Don Sweeney and Cam Neely's asses are kind of under the fire a little bit because of how things have rolled out the last two postseasons, right? And it actually makes me wonder, just like, you know, people want to shit on Tuka. Well, maybe Tori and them, maybe Tori and his teammates knew that the Bruins hadn't come back to them. And they kept repeating, maybe they're talking about the deal they offered him last year. Maybe we don't know what's going on. I mean, the week started with him and passed out shit-faced on the boat. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, and I love that. I love the fact that they had that, you know? And like I said, the last few days. And I totally, and I just want to say, I've always said, I understand Tory Kruger is not a defensive defenseman. He need like, you know, I think him and Colin Karenko are going to be a very sexy defensive pair if that's how they end up pairing them up. You know what I mean? But do something now, Don Sweeney. And I don't know if it's Cam Neely or if it's Don Sweeney or it's just like Mark said, you guys have said that we're changing our philosophy, which I think we need to a little bit. But now do something. Don't undersell Grizz and not even mention our freaking captain and just like dance around it, but re-sign Colin Miller. Do something. Bring us Taylor Hall. Kevin. Bring us Tyler Toffoli. Bring us Alex Petriangelo. You know what I mean? Do something with it all. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. I know you guys can't see me, but that's all I'm asking. Do you think that Krug misread the situation? Because I almost feel like he thought going in, he's going to get a certain number, has a certain number in his head, a certain term in his head. And then it really came down to just one more year and what, 500,000 more? So there wasn't a ton more. Do you think that when they finally pulled the offer, do you think that he thought he sort of misread it? And then when he went back and said, you know what, geez, you know, maybe I should take this deal. And they pulled it. Then he ended up sort of having to go to St. Louis, because it almost seemed strange that he he mentioned in the press conference, yeah, they pulled the offer, really haven't had conversations in a while and, and so forth. And it was almost like it was on his mind that I had this six for, you know, six for 38 or whatever it was deal and maybe should have taken it then and then didn't. And because of the financial situation and teams sort of having, a you know, salaries going down and being cautious, that maybe he, it was just a bad timing situation. And then he'd take the deal away. And now he's like, ah, oh, you know, this is all I really have now. I can't go back to the Bruins and say, you know what? It's not worth the one more year to change my whole life and to leave my beloved team. So I don't know if that, it just made me sort of wonder. I don't know what your thoughts were on that. 
Um, my thoughts on that is this. I think that, and this is why I think it's so shady, right? So if it seems to me, Don Sweeney keeps saying, I absolutely respect Tori and go and get your money or whatever, right? So he goes on the free market and he finds he's probably going to get six, five. He might get his term or whatever else. Now, I feel Tori Krug, uh, as an undersized, undrafted player, that kind of makes you almost more loyal to your team. I mean, again, like people keep posting him in past to doing the like knee spin. I mean, he's a Bruin. Do you know what I mean? Tori Krug is a freaking Bruin. He is small or otherwise have proven it. And I think he probably came back after seeing whatever and kind of maybe said, you know, how about seven for six? You know what I mean? Give me that extra 500K now early, right? Because I am older and what will happen? Maybe I won't make the seven. This might be a better investment, right? You give me seven for six, whatever. I'd rather stay here. I'd rather be, I can't believe that it's a greed thing like Tory Krug. And then he came back and the Bruins decided against it, which makes it even more shady to me because even if he had come back and tried to renegotiate, he wasn't asking maybe too much more than what you were already offering. You know what I mean? That's what I think is I think that as much as Don Sweeney keeps saying, I, I care if the play, the player can go and get his money or whatever, but maybe Tory did go and look around and came back and said, you know what? You give me one more year, you give me 500 more, I'll take a year less. And they wouldn't give it to him. And that's what ups like, that's what's confusing to me or upsets me is that, that seems to be, again, we don't know what's true. We don't know if what Don Sweeney says or whatever, and they both certainly tried to out-nice each other. But Tori was very blunt, and Tori Krug is known as being kind of up front, kind of like Tuka, right? He kind of says what he's saying. He's not trying to sugarcoat anything. So that leads me to believe the players more than whatever and the way it's been acting. I think he maybe overplayed his hand in the way that, like, you, maybe he trusted Don Sweeney in that I'll go and see what's out there and I'll come back and then we'll figure something out and then kind of got burned on the way back. And that's on the organization and that's not a good look for the Bruins, you know? I guess that's my thoughts on it. I'm sorry. I can't talk about Tory Krug anymore. I don't want to cry. I've been drinking some pig Whitney here. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break, uh, talk and hear from those great folks at the store next door. And uh, we'll get back into some topics shortly after that. Uh, check out the store next door.ca, a great uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia company doing great things for great people. We'll be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. We're back and on to the next topic on the list and it's Craig Smith, a signing by the Bruins, a former Nashville Predator, uh, projects to be third line center actually has scored 
at least 20 goals, five out of the last seven seasons, bring some good secondary scoring. I love the signing. It's three years with a $3.1 million cap hit. Seems like a very friendly, affordable deal, excellent deal. Have him for three years. And I love the prospects of Smith playing with Charlie Coyle on that third line, a couple of puck possession guys. Smith shoots the puck a lot. Coyle possesses it a lot. So I think it could be a line that's really difficult to play against. So I was wondering, Mark, what your thoughts with was with uh, Craig Smith. I, I thought it was a great deal. Um, uh, and and uh, our very own blackandgoldhockey.com writer, Patrick Donnelly, uh, BU student, uh, had this out on October 2nd and said that the Bruins should go after a player like Craig Smith, and he was spot on, so uh, good on him. Uh, I like the term. I like the deal. Um, and I like the fact that uh, he's not going to be playing center. I, we, we have everything up the middle right now. So I'm uh, he's he's gonna be on the right side. I want to say, it's it's gonna be a toss between second line and third line. It depends on how they address the second line in this free agency, and if they go after somebody like Dadenoff, or if they go after like Taylor Hall or whatever. We'll talk about that later. But um, I thought it was a, a good signing, and and he seems uh, pretty happy to be uh, a, part, a part of the Boston Bruins. Uh, he had a lot of good things to say in his interview, and um, I'm looking forward to. What he can bring, because when you look at the underlying numbers uh, and the analytics and so on, he does bring a lot to the game. Uh, and his vi- five on five versus five um, points are, are are good, and 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 they're very attractive. So, and uh, Don Sweeney said the same thing in his press conference when um, when when they got him the the free agency press conference. That, you know, uh, I think Connor Ryan was, was talking about how much analytics played a, a role in, in having him come into the, the Boston Bruins team. So, and uh, he said it did play a, a, a big role, and his five on five numbers were, were uh, a, a, certainly a catalyst to make that move. I want to preface this by saying sometimes on hockey Twitter, you want to say just because you're the loudest person in the room doesn't make you the rightest person in the room. Okay. So, I'm not upset about the Craig Smith signing because he is a solid, he's proven he's going to play his games and he's going to produce you about 40 points a season and that. So great. But what bothers me is I'm not worried about my bottom six so much. I'm worried about my top six, right? So maybe like Mark just pointed out, there could be a chance that he actually ends up being Krejci or Bergeron. Who knows what's going to happen with this team, right? But in the top six, he is a solid 40 game point. I'm not mad about that. The 3.3, but given everything else that has happened, it annoys me because now I'm going to have to listen to everyone bitch. Why can't Stanika get to play? Why can't whoever get to play? Well, you can't continue to sign people from the outside. No, but this is the thing, right? Mark, I see you making the face. You can't see my face, but what I'm saying to you, honey, is Either I want these kids to get to play and stop signing people like the Craig Smiths of the world, or I want to sign the Craig Smiths of the world and not have to hear about why the kids don't have a spot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so they can get they can get rid of Kasha. Kasha can be right, expendable. Exactly. But in, currently, we haven't gotten rid of Kasha, though, is the bigger oh. issue, right? Like, currently, we haven't gotten rid of him or more or any of these other kind of deadweed, the Richies of the world or whatever. So... I don't care whether it's Danica or Greg's, Craig Smith. Sorry, I almost called you Greg. I apologize, Craig Smith. I do welcome you to the Bruins wholeheartedly, regardless of anything else that has happened. But it's like a weird situation because, again, you signed a solid bottom six guy. Great. 
But that leaves so much. What else do we do from here? This can't be it. He can't be our big signing. That's me. You know, I just, that's just me. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, I, I, I agree. I, 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 I agree to a point like the, the whole bottom six thing, a lot of prospects that have been coming up in, you know, Anton bleed and Carson Coleman and, Anders Bjork and all of these guys we've heard about for the last three, four years, Zach Simpson going on five years, like, and we've heard about all these kids and what they can bring to the table if they can contribute. And very few of them have, if at all. So I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's sort of a ticking time bomb here where you got to decide what you're doing with those younger guys. And I think this signing shows that they don't really believe that some of those guys can give them throughout the course of the season into the postseason, what they want. And again, there was a philosophy of speed and skill and, and skating ability. And now it's going more toward size. And I think that leaves out guys like Coleman and Bjork and, and those other people that it doesn't fit with their model going forward. So there's going to come a crossroads here where they decide what they do with those guys. I do like a proven NHL player though. And I'll take a proven NHL player at 3 million a year. Any day of the week. And, and you know, you can wait for these other guys to come and play. And, you know, we heard about first Becca Carlson and, and who's gone. And all of these people, Ryan Fitzgerald and all of these young guys who never really materialized. We've heard about how great they're going to be. Trent Frederick's in that, in that as well. I mean, this, this is the year where either you're going to be an NHL player or you're not. So I don't know. It's I'd rather take the proven guy. And Craig Smith is that. And I think he'll do some really good things on either the second or third line with the Bruins. So, um, so going on to our next item, which is you talked about the big, the big signings, Heather, and Taylor Hall would certainly be one of them, one of the biggest ones of the offseason. He's narrowed his list down. It seems to be Nashville and Boston. Nashville going with longer term, it seems, with an alleged seven-year offer. And the Bruins are more of a three-year offer, maybe at 21, 7 million a year. Uh, we could hear about the signing anytime now. I have been back and forth on Taylor Hall. He was off my grid for a while. I just didn't think he was going to come to Boston or Boston was even going to be that interested in him. And now they seem to be. I don't know if they played coy. I don't know if they thought before this whole landscape of, of salaries lowering and financial responsibility that, they thought he was out of their league and now isn't. So now they're in there on it. So maybe it's a late bloomer type situation. Um, I think if you get him at a pretty good number, the only caveat I have is that if you sign him for seven million a year, you may not have enough to sign a left shot defenseman or a Jake DeBrusque or Grizzlick Chara DeBrusque. I mean, again, the money goes quickly. So I don't know, Mark, what your thoughts are on Hall. He'd be a big signing. He's a really good offensive player. He hasn't played on great teams, so I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm sort of back and forth on it, but at a shorter term, maybe I'd be okay. I'm I'm good with it. I it, the terms. I mean, you got to be good with it. Um, you got to be also good with it to make your other signings too. Um, I mean, if you if you go get Hall, you don't bring back Shara. I'm completely fine with that. You know, uh, we have we have sustainability on the back end that we can get away with with moves like that. Um, you, we need to address the secondary scoring issue um, because if the if the, the the three guys on the front line can't do it, we need to have some kind of wave 
or some layers that can put the puck in the net and uh, and get it on net. So uh, secondary scoring needs to be addressed regardless of it's, if it's Taylor Hall or anybody else that's out there that's available. They've, they've got to be point producers, and, and you're going to pay for those. Those guys are, are going to be at a premium. But Hall has been mentioning saying that he could take a shorter money for a shorter term because he's in that win-now kind of... Um, kind of window for himself in his uh, National Hockey League career. Uh, you know, he's approaching 30 years old, 28, 29, that, that range. So this might be an opportunity for him to go somewhere for short term to get it done and then uh, get that nest egg on the, on the next contract, either with uh, 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 that team that, that, that got him or move on to another team. You know, he seems to be making the, the rounds lately. So um, I, I just want to see the... The five on five, the power play, and I think this guy checks the boxes on a lot of that right there. But you're gonna pay, so I don't want to go into the, like the nine million dollar range. I don't think he's gonna get that uh, even out on the market if if some team was available to pay him that. But I, I think that a seven deal, a seven million is not that bad, and you have uh, five about four million to play with, so you can get. Uh, hopefully you can get DeBrus done too, but who knows? I mean, there's so many, so many variables with with DeBrusque right now and what he's gonna do and what he could garner in a trade. And the other thing is, is if you trade DeBrusque and you bring somebody in like a left shot defenseman, you can have enough money to pay him. So it's it's just a it's a mind boggle of avenues that that need to be uh, discussed thoroughly before just going out and saying, let's get this guy, let's get that guy. So I think you've kind of summed it up with the whole Taylor Hall thing. As they've done nothing on defense, it's like you kind of think that they might do something big on defense, right? But at the same time, it's really the top six scoring that we have to address. If you're going to let the Tory Krugs of the world go and blah, 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 I'm sorry, Mark, to mention Tory Krug, I'm just using it as an example. If you're going to let that money go, right, the term that you would be paying that player, right? If it's not going to be Taylor Hall, it has to be your boy Taylor Chafoli or whatever, you know? You have to finally address, we have a gap in the secondary scoring, right? Now, I'm really concerned about defense right now because we don't know what the hell's going on back there. Now, maybe we pull all the boys up from Providence next year. Great. Who knows what will happen? So to compensate for them growing into being NHL players, you need to address the top six scoring, right? So... I would like us to do something big just to show that we have balls at this point, right? To go out and get Taylor Hall, whether it's short term for seven mil for four years or whatever it is, whatever it plays out to be, we need to finally shore up having, you know, we have really great third and fourth liners, right? Grinders and things like that, that are willing to give for their team. So that means you pay for the rest of the top six, finally go out and do it. So if it's not Taylor Hall or it's not Tyler Toffoli, we can't be crazy, as we pointed out, about cap space and what you will. But at the same time, if you can get Taylor Hall for $7 million for three years, that's a win. It's a win for him. It's a win for us. It's a win for us that we get that short-term scoring. It's a win for him because he finally solidifies his um, legacy, I guess. You know what I mean? He's a kid that's always bounced from crappy team to crappy team. No offense to Jersey or the Oilers or, you know, the Coyotes. I'm not trying to disrespect them, but I would have. And also, I just want to be right. I'm very someone who likes to be right. And I would have taken Hall over Sagan in the beginning, 
right? So if we sign him, great. If not, we need to still address that secondary scoring. And that's the thing that concerns me with what I've seen so far. So Matt, I don't know how you feel about it, but really that's all I have to say about it. I love Taylor Hall. I can't, I've said it before. What do you think? Whether him or Tyler Toffoli or someone of that ilk, what do you think is the most important thing at this point as defense is in limbo? Well, I, I, you know, the thing that keeps creeping back into my head about Taylor Hall is he kind of has, he kind of has, I guess you can consider underachieving, even though he has almost a point per game in his career. It just seems like as the number one overall pick, he wasn't the superstar that he should have been, could have been. And you wonder playing in sort of smaller markets and lesser organizations, if the pressure of coming to Boston, if it would, you know, if he has it in him to really take it all on and be that type of guy, because that's what you're going to kind of need for the value you're giving him. I think that the Bruins have tried to make important moves to change the roster or to improve the roster, but doing it at an affordable price. So they've kind of waited the game out to see if the salaries will drop even more and even more and someone falls into their lap without really overextending and getting a guy for big money, big term, because I think they're wary about what's going to happen the next year or two with the cap and with the league and the revenue. So I think they're playing this tightrope game of, or this waiting out game where we wait it out, wait it out. Maybe someone falls into our lap a little more affordable and trying to preach the, we can bring you a cup rather than we're going to give you a ton of money. So, and it's a dangerous game because sometimes you don't get what you want in the end. I think I'm leading to, and I wrote about this on blackandgoldhockey.com a couple of weeks ago, at least that they were going to be looking for cheaper options because the, it just lined up like it looked like they were they were talking a big game, but in actuality, it wasn't going to happen because of a multitude of different things. But the money in Jeremy Jacobs not making revenue from events since March on his concession stands makes a difference. So I just thought it it lined up as being a sort of a letdown and not what fans might have thought it would have been. So, and it's lining up that way. And I wouldn't be surprised we're gonna, if the Bruins are going to end up with Craig Smith, Jake DeBrusque, Matt Grizzlick, Zdeno Chara, and then just see what happens during the course of the year and give it a couple of months into the season to see where you're at. Because it's certainly lining up that way. I don't think DeBrusque is going to get as much as he thought. Certainly not. And I don't think Grizzlick's going to get as much as he thought. And you may end up with those guys back and then just sort of making it work and seeing what you have for a couple of months and seeing if you can get fans in the stands and all those different aspects of it. Maybe there's too much unknown in that regard. So I don't know. I think that Hall, I'd like to see if you don't get Hall, I'm just really worried about that whole Hall thing with that kind of money. Talent to Foley is very attractive. Mike Hoffman, you know, is a pretty good player. Minus his girlfriend. You know, so uh, Dadnov, he's still around, and I don't see hear many offers about him. Florida's back in on it, so who knows? I mean, maybe you get someone a little cheaper, and maybe the waiting out actually rewards them in the end. But again, it's a it's a it's a slippery slope. You can end up with nothing unless you know instead of what you have currently, and it may end up being that way. And it's going to be a letdown. The fans are going to be screaming from the from the top of the balcony, but. It could end up that way. So 
you know, we'll see. Uh, next item on the agenda, and Mark loves his goalies. And Pittsburgh Penguins signed former Providence Bruins goaltender Max Agassi. And uh, this is an interesting move for the Bruins. They have two NHL goalies on one more year on both of their deals, unrestricted after that. And then they signed Daniel Vladar for three years uh, just this past year. Weird timing right during the postseason. And then they have Kaiser and they have Swayman and jury's still on whether where they can play and maybe not be the ECHL could be the AHL who knows where it'll be who knows who'll be playing in the minor league system this coming season so what does it happen and I'll start with Mark what does it happen for their goalie depth and and what could they do with some of these pieces uh, first of all, Max played a, a very instrumental role in the success of the Providence Bruins last season. I thought he was a very well, um, uh, a very good veteran for Dan Vladar, uh, Vladar um, last year. So uh, he did what he did his service. I was under the impression, and I heard from sources that the Bruins were interested in possibly bringing him back. But now I'm also hearing that the Bruins are probably interested in in um, bringing another uh, depth goaltender, a veteran. It's been around. Who knows? I'm hearing. Some words of uh, possibly Zach uh, Zane McIntyre, uh, but it, it would just be a depth thing. It wouldn't be an NHL replacement or anything like that. Um, but uh, the next topic I want to talk about uh, will definitely play into another role uh, on on spinning things. So we'll talk about that later on. But um, the Legacy thing was, I mean, I, it was just a short term thing. Uh, I think that he sees a better path to the NHL in Pittsburgh than he would in Boston. So that's probably why he took a deal there. It was $700,000. It's a one-year, two-way deal. So, um, and, you know, Matt Murray's out of Boston. He went to Ottawa. Uh, don't immediately know. And Christian Jar- Tristan Jarry is uh, is pretty much the guy right now. So uh, playing time, you know, who knows? I mean, he could definitely be a backup, which is probably better than, you know, um, money in the AHL. Let's put it that way. So good on Max. Uh, thanks for the, the, the several interviews that I've had with him down at the dunk. Um, really nice guy. Uh, and I could never understand a damn word he says because his, his, uh, his French is so thick. It really is. It, it, it's, it's hard to understand. I remember having a conversation with him when I was talking about, um, um, and I think, I don't know if he was nervous or anything like that, but I was talking about uh, goaltending coaches Mike Dunham and Bob Asenza, and he and he kind of came back to me and was like, "Yeah, they're good players." I, I thought he thought that they were players out on the ice that, that particular night, so I, I don't think he really understood what I was what I was saying, and I kind of kind of fumbled it a little bit, but and uh, ended the, uh, the conversation there. But you know, it was uh, uh, just one of those things, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it sucks to see him go. I, I mean, he's such a good guy and a really good goaltender. I mean, he was he was ranked in the top 10 in many categories. He was second in wins with 22. He had uh, 2.37 goals against average. The save percentage wasn't great at, uh, at 917, 919, or something like that. So, but it, it was just, you know, something that I wanted to bring up that he was, uh, it was, it was, he was good. And, and it's not a big loss, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Heather, what do you think about the uh, the goalie situation in Providence? 
Well, as always, I trusted Mark, right? Um, I know he's a big fan of Max Legacy. He did all right when he was down there. Um, at the same time, I just feel like we're at deal with what we have, right? Maybe Tuca and Halak and moving on to Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladar, if that's what were happening. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm a big, like, let's bring back Tuca and see what happens. But um, I agree. It sucks to see him go because he is someone who has some experience and what you will. But um, I don't know. As always, I defer to market the goalie situation. Matt? Yeah, I, I, I um, you know, I think it's a very big year as far as the goaltending is concerned and what direction the team wants to go in because they have sort of an interesting situation where two to three really good young goalies and then two veterans and good young, good veterans are up after next year. So they have to decide whether one or two of these young goalies are going to be ready. And it's a, it's a lot to ask. So they're going to have to bridge it, I would assume, with another veteran. So it, it all depends on their development this year. And it brings up an interesting point. And I'll go on to our next topic here on the agenda. Is the Bruins ECHL minor affiliate has actually opted out for 2021. So that leaves no, no ECHL you know, affiliate team to, for these kids to play with. So what does that mean for the prospects and where they could go? And, and Mark, I know you have some information or some thoughts on this and where they could be loaned to play. All right. So with the, the, the Atlanta Gladiators have been the, uh, the, the double A minor pro affiliate for several seasons now. Last year, they signed a one-year agreement, but that, that ended with the COVID um, shutdown of everything else. So they technically don't have an, Ameri- uh, an East Coast Hockey League affiliate. I was told by great sources that there was going to be another affiliation agreement with the Bruins in Atlanta, but now Atlanta is, has opted out of play due to uh, the reason why um, they could still go on, but the infinite uh, arena in, um, in uh, near, near Atlanta uh, thrives on other events that go on. It's just not hockey, so... And the state of Georgia has an occupancy um, limit of 25%. So uh, that, that it wouldn't work. Uh, reading the articles out of Atlanta, the operating costs would oversee any ticket sales at 25%. So it's not good business. So they just shut it down. So, it, But what that does is it puts uh, the Boston Bruins in a very interesting predicament when it comes to the goaltending, like you mentioned. So... It was my theory that the um, that the uh, or the information that I got from a really solid source was the Bruins wanted to get a veteran goaltender. The vet and Vladar would be in Providence. Swayman and um, and uh, Kaiser would be in Atlanta. Now that's gone. Now do the Bruins don't do they do not want to bring in a veteran now and now make it a Vladar Swayman tandem in the the American Hockey League, if and when they actually start, because I got some information on that too. Or, and then have Kyle Kaiser just be out on loan, much like um, what uh, Craig, uh, Craig Bennington, um, what's his name? The uh, Jordan. Jordan Bennington did with, uh, with St. Louis. They, they didn't have a, right. an affiliate to go to. He came to Providence. So very similar to that. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to to know what's going to happen with the with the, that whole thing. 
Um, and I was talking to Matt about this, uh, about contracts. Uh, with all this free agency going on right now, um, there's only been two AHL contracts signed. So that really doesn't tell me uh, that the, the there's really a likelihood of when these guys are thinking they're going to start. It might be a little earlier. The NHL teams are just playing it safe and so on, and then the AHL is going to. But it's going to go. It's going to go in order. So, and a lot of people are uh, believing that the 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 American Hockey League is going to start in early December. Well, if if the NHL is not starting till let's say the beginning of this uh, of January to the middle, the AHL is not going to start uh, in early December. All right, we'll move on to the next topic, and that's uh, has to do with Dano Chari. Is, uh, does he get another year with the Bruins? And right now they're in a position where if they do sign a Taylor Hall or bring on another contract, then and with Jake DeBrus still up in the air and Matt Grizzly going to arbitration, is there will there be room for Zidane Chari to be signed on for another year? You do need some left shot D help as well. So, Heather, I don't know your thoughts on Chara. I think that. In my opinion, and it's weird to say, he's sort of a secondary priority, in my opinion. If you can really improve the team and go with what you have and you don't need him, then I think you have to make that difficult decision not to bring him back. But I don't know your thoughts on Char. I don't know. I feel kind of torn on Char for a couple of reasons. One... I absolutely agree with you. Like if we can sign someone that will really shore up this team, I'm sorry, but we have to move on. But at the same time, we are short on left shot defensemen now. Like things are crazy in that world. And um, it bothers me that we would offer Kevin Miller money, but not Zidane Chara. He's the captain of this team. Uh-huh. And not so much for that Zidane Chara, like, it's not even a loyalty thing, but at some point, if you're going to show a loyalty contract for Kevin Miller, you have to sign a loyalty contract for your captain or do something big. Like I said, I mean, if we get a left shot defenseman on free agency, which is few and far between, but you know that I, I guess I'm torn. I absolutely would not want Zidane Char to go out the way that 2020 happened. Know what I mean? Like, this was supposed to be his last year. We were supposed to win the cup with the best team. Like, it sucks for it to go that way. But at the same time, if we could use that million or two million now, that especially since we signed Kevin Miller, who hasn't even played a game in two years, I also, I respect that Zidane Char is going to keep playing, even if it has to be somewhere else. And that kind of brings me to a weird point as a Bruins fan, right? I, I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. I absolutely agree he should be a third-pairing defenseman at this point in his career, but I absolutely don't think Zidane Char's last year playing hockey should roll out the way it did in 2020. So, Mark, I don't I don't know how you feel about it. Like, I'd rather the money go somewhere else if necessary, but at the same time, if you're going to give Kevin Miller money, I think you should offer Zidane Char something. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with Matt on that we do need left shot D. Um, unless we're getting unless we're getting it via trade or something, uh, I'm just I'm just I'm ready to move on. I I I say this I it almost seems like I say this every week about Chara. I just I'm I'm ready to move on. I think the game's getting a little past him, but it, I find it interesting that other teams are reaching out for his services. So if if that has to be an has to be an option too, I'm all for that. That saves a little bit of money. 
but I, 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 I want to address, I want to get rid of the, or the older contracts or the ideas of, of retaining older players and put it into, um, you know, what we need, the holes that need to be filled, uh, where we were exposed in the past two seasons, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals against the um, the St. Louis Blues, and then last year with the with the you know reigning st- the eventual Stanley Cup champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So, you know, I, it you, to me you, you got to score goals, and that's what win games at the that's what wins games at the end of the year. Um, I am not I'm not I'm not a huge Chara guy. I get his leadership and everything like that. I I totally get it, but. These year by year by years are also blocking the progression of younger players coming up to the system, and I I don't know I'm not I'm not ready to lose faith in some of those guys yet because of an older veteran is uh, just hanging on. So sorry, that's my take. Yeah, it was interesting because it almost makes it seem like the Kevin Miller signing is a sign that maybe they aren't bringing him back. Because if you if you say it that way, like why would they invest that money in bringing Kevin Miller back? on the right side, if they really thought they were going to need shower on the left side, like I, it just doesn't make much sense to me. That's, that's, that's Don Sweeney, Matt. That's totally Don Sweeney. Don Sweeney wouldn't, Don Sweeney wouldn't resign, uh, Charlie McAvoy or Brandon Carlo, but he goes out and spends money on Par Lindholm, Brett Ritchie and all this crap. And it's just like, it's, it's a mind game. I swear to God with this guy. I know it's a, it's a, he gets to, you know, those fourth liners, he falls in love with these, I don't know if he's looking for diamonds in the rough or what he's doing, or if it's just easier to, to spend a million bucks on some fourth liner or whatever, and he doesn't really make that bold move. And and if it, the only bold moves he seems to make are, the, are those wrong moves of, of of overreaching for draft picks or or, tra- or trading a, a high draft pick for Zach Ronaldo, like just, just sort of strange... Again, it almost, and I, I want to not think it's this simple, but it's almost like he just wants to show how smart he is. And, and he's a Harvard guy and very smart, much more intellectual than I am. But it just seems like this is sort of an arrogance, like I know more than everybody else, so I'm going to make this move. And sometimes it just hasn't panned out for them. And it, it happens in the draft and it happens in free agent signings and it happens in signing your own guys. And the Kevin Miller one is a head scratcher when you when you pair it with the Chara situation because I just think that that money should have been if you wanted to bring him back should have been for Chara as a as a real sort of safety blanket for your left side situation, but to sign Miller on the right side it may, it leads me to believe that that they want to trade maybe one or one or two of the young prospects and they're really dangling them out there because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but you know what i guess what do i know but i, I it would be interesting to see with grizzly and arbitration and with debrus still hanging in the air and then trying to get either a left shot defenseman or a good scoring top six winger again you're going to run out of money soon so i don't know uh, I would say though that maybe it's time for for Chara to move on, and or maybe he sits out some of the year. That could be another thing that he does: sits out as a free agent, and then waits and sees what's you know maybe he plays a second half of the year type of thing, which might be beneficial to him. You know, he sits out and he he rests up and and he gives you 30, 30 or forty really strong games toward the end and in the postseason. Maybe maybe that's the route he goes. Who, who knows? But it's just odd. It makes the Miller signing even more strange. Um, 
Next item on the list is uh, just as we mentioned, Jake, Jake DeBrusque. He's still sort of out there. Here's another guy who I thought was probably going to make more than he actually is. I thought he was probably going into the offseason or before the salary shook out, more of a four and a half million player, maybe even five million a year player. Now it looks like he's more, he could be more of a three to three and a half million dollar player. So do they bring him back? Do they wait and see what they can get as far as someone else? Or do they trade him to get some of that defensive help we're talking about? Two weeks ago, I would have said that Jake was gone. Now, again, I keep going back to this. I think we're gonna. I think they're gonna end up with Craig Smith and everybody else that they that they already had. But I don't know your thoughts on Heather. It's so hard to read this team at this point, right? Fundamentally, our defense. We don't know what's going on. It's too much limbo on the back end, right? Which is really weird because, even given smaller defensemen and this and that, we've been one of the best defensive teams like yeah playing wasn't good for you know whatever the play um return to play I'm sorry I didn't know remember what it was called I would rather have given Char the million just to give him his last year than Kevin Miller that's just me Uh, that's too big of a gamble you know but now it's so hard because I agree with you I thought DeBrusque was out of here as much as I love him as much as I do think he has value that's the point. He has value. He could have been a good trade piece or whatever you will. But now I feel like I agree with you. Um, I, As much as I think that Don Sweeney is a Sweeney's, I also think that that bites him in his ass. You know, like now we're three days into free agency. You're not willing to obviously give out money, but you're obviously not willing to pay the players you do have. Like, it's a weird situation. I don't rule against DeBrusque maybe being packaged, maybe with more or somebody else for something else. Uh, But at the same time, if you're going to go that way, like I want something big to happen because you've invested too much time and energy in DeBrusque. You know, he's becoming your new core. You know, he's been around so long. So I don't know. I'm just at a loss of words because I think generally with free agency so far and thus far and how it's rolled out, I don't know. DeBrusque, I don't think, is a $5 million player. I think he's, at least in this cap salary situation, um, I do think he needs to be more consistent. But at the same time, if we can get real value for him, I want to do something with that. But I don't know because I I have no idea what Don Sweeney's doing at this point. You know what I mean? I, I don't mean to be ambiguous and not really have a lot of thoughts on the situation, but I prefer DeBrusque stays here and maybe we get a right line for Krejci but at the same time if DeBrusque has to be packaged to go to really actually make a big move do something you know just generally I don't care if it's trade DeBrusque for a bigger name or whatever you're doing but five million is a little much but we also don't know what his QA is either right we know what Grizzlix is because he's going to arbitration but we haven't really heard a lot of word about the people they did give a qualifying offer to uh I, I, I didn't put it on the agenda, but that's something interesting about who they didn't QA and who they did. You know what I mean? Like, again, I don't want to get into my Peter Solaric rant, but whatever. Um, going forward, though, like, it's either shit or get off the pot for this team. Where we're sitting, why we're talking right now, boys, is at this point at 2.23 on the Sunday. They need to decide either way. You can no longer have one leg in and one leg out. Like, you need to do something. And if that's lose to Bruss, great. 
if especially if he's probably more a three, four million dollar player at this point, if that's what you sign him for. But we don't have a lot of money and we don't have a lot of time left because everyone's still signing as we speak at this moment. And we have done crap really to either sure up this team or go into full rebuild. And I don't know what to do with that. You know, like just as a Bruins fan and as someone who talks about them, DeBrusque, if he has to go great, but it better be for something real. None of this, you know, little, the Richies and the whoever's of the world, like do something, do something big, do something. Then if you're going to do it with Jake DeBrusque, do it, use it for real value. Um, yeah, I, I'm, if, I wish that I know it's not good business to say, listen, Jake, what do you want? What do you want for money? And if he says, I want $5 million, then just trade him, you know, because <laughs> that's, that's, he's, he's getting overpaid if he gets $5 million. He's overpaid if he's getting four, three, 3.5, 2.5, three, 3.5. I'm fine with, that's fine. But if, if I, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm a huge Jake DeBrus fan. I've always have been, but if he needs to go to get something else in, Again, pending the money, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm torn on this one too because we do need to to address a certain need, and he's the type of player. If you don't want to get rid of the future like Sidnika, this is the type of player that has NHL games, and he's you know he's been at the level. This is the player you need to move, and I hate saying that, I really do. But uh, he does have inconsistencies. There's, there's no doubt about it. His stats aren't there where they should be. But he is, an, uh, you know, coming to the, he's at the end of an entry level deal, um, and still, if he is signed for anything, I'd like to have him at a, a two year show me deal and go from there. Yeah, I I, I agree because I, I just haven't heard what other teams really value him at. I, I heard early on that boy, you know, there's some teams out there who really find him valuable and might be offering, but I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any really digging in on DeBrusque or how much he's worth and I see a, a signing of Craig Smith at 3.1 and I'm thinking that guy scored 20, 20 plus goals five out of seven seasons like so what is DeBrusque really I know he's younger but what is he really going to get um, you know maybe you just offer him you know two for six and say this is what we're offering and uh, as a bridge and then when you're 26 years old you still are entering the prime. You have a couple good years with us. Maybe you win a cup, playing with good players, and then you go enter the market two years from now and see what you have there. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's how you go with it. And then, like you said, Mark, if he doesn't want to take it, then you actively shop him and make a decision with him because you really don't want some someone to swoop in, make an offer, and you get nothing uh, for him leaving because you, you do need something for him. So I... Again, I think it, Taylor Hall is really seems to be holding up the whole operation around the league. You know, as soon as he signs, I think you'll see dominoes falling everywhere. And if he signs in Boston, I think you'll see DeBrusque move fairly quickly. And maybe they have something in the pot in case Hall is signed. You know, maybe that's why we haven't heard much, because they, they already have something in the works. That could be. Um, and all contingent on Hall. So I, it'll be interesting to see. I just think it's... There's been such hype about this offseason that I think fans are getting really irritated <laughs> the less that happens because we were told by Sweeney we have to make changes to the roster. We were told by Neely we have to be honest with our roster, and then it doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't – and Smith is a good deal, but other than that, nothing's happened. 
and it just gets frustrating. So I don't, hopefully this week, hopefully next week we're talking about how we jumped the gun and everything worked out great and we're much happier now. I just don't see it happening though. Exactly. Um, all right, next item on the agenda, Heather, is our Ask BNG. Any Ask BNGs out there? Uh, not that many, but first um, we do have uh, Andrew Traverna. Is that right? Did I pronounce that Traverna. right? Traverna. One of our own uh, says, does the hall news break during the uh, podcast recording? I'm going to go with no, Andrew. Sorry. Uh, as much as that would make me happy and really make my weekend because it sucks. BetOnline.ag uh, says no. Yeah. No. So BNG agrees that that's not happening right now. Uh, but Ray Guarino, sorry, Ray, uh, says... Uh, in my opinion, if the Bruins want to make one more run with this core group, then there's a need for the top four LD, uh, Grizzly, Chara, Lozon, Zaboro, uh, Euro is not enough to bring them a cup. What's available LD would you like? You know, what left defense would you like to see come here? Martinez, uh, Global Spear, or whatever. Gosta Spear. Yeah, Gosta Spear. Sorry, I sort of was reading it or do they go with a uh, major trade what do you guys think um i i don't know this is a i wish we had a little a little more time to research this ask me and g um uh, beer is a little little sketchy for me um kind of not the type of defenseman that i want on my team i think he's a good mobile but when you talk about physicality i don't think it's all there so um probably one of the reasons why philadelphia is trying to move on from him or seek value for him um, the, I mean, I don't know. This is a tough one. I wish I just had a little more time to, uh, to do a little more research. Get those I, Ask I, B&Gs in sooner, folks. Yeah. I, I, I wanted Noah Hannafin like a month ago. Like I wanted to make a deal for, cause I was really intrigued by Hannafin and McAvoy, BC and BU and Hannafin's 23. And I, I was really, you know, trade to Brusque and a couple other prospects or whatever, make it, make it work. But that didn't come to fruition. And then you know, talk about Martinez, who has a couple of cups anyway, and Schmidt for them also. But he makes $5.95 million. And again, the money goes quick. And you can't sign Hall and then bring in Schmidt. Uh, you have to add on that money. So unless someone's going to take the money with you know, Vegas needs to get rid of money. So they're not taking any back. So Martinez and Schmidt are two guys who have been talked about um, I guess I would take, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind Martinez, veteran, been there before, won cups, actually won the cup with a golden goal, won the whole thing with a game-winning goal in overtime. So I, I you know, I, I wouldn't mind any, you know, either one of those two guys. Uh, but again, you're getting into a, a part now where it's, it's getting thin and you're putting yourself up against it. Uh, I don't think you can get a top six forward and a left shot D of any substance together with your cap situation, especially with Grizzlick uh, out there, even if you traded to Brusque. So I guess we'll see what happens, but I, I think they do need a left shot D unless they really believe someone like uh, Zaboral and these other kids can make a leap back in Ireland by all accounts had a really bad year last year. So I don't know if he can jump from bad HL year to good NHL year is just asking a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see this sort of, this sort of backing themselves into a corner here with a defensive group. And 
I'm not sure what uh, what they can do with it. I agree on that. Like, it's hard to... At this point, we're kind of in a situation we have to address lefty, you know, so, okay, Martinez, whoever. Uh, but we're still screwed on the cap. So what does that do? It's still... I don't mean to generalize, boys, and I don't know how you feel, but as a Bruins fan, not even thinking about it from a business aspect... Every year, my team does nothing at the trade deadline. My team does nothing at free agency. And it's just getting a little old, right? Because everybody else is having some balls. And I'm not trying to say Don Sweeney doesn't, but um, if you're not going to sign Tori Krug and you're going to maybe risk losing Matt Grizzlick and you're not going to make a big trade for somebody to shore up, we need help on both. We still are screwed on the top six even with Craig Smith, who's lovely and maybe can slot in if needs so, you know. But our left defense is so weak, so it's so hard to tell. It's like, do you spend the money because pickings are getting slim and just kind of settle? But I feel like we always settle. I don't want to settle anymore. I want something big to happen, you know. Yeah, I mean, the veteran experience, I'll take that if it's a cheaper deal. But at this point, I'm kind of backed in a corner. We need to address the left side. But we also still aren't that depth-wise on the... As much as we want to fool ourselves to thinking we're a depth team, we're not. And we need to address that. And we need to do something big for that. Mm -hmm. That's all we had. Sorry. Thank you, uh, Ray and Andrew, for actually responding. Thanks so much. So right now, we're moving on to our next topic, which is this week in Bruins history, Mark. All right. So this week in Bruins history, as actually today, and this is from Mike Comito, and he's a uh, an author that wrote uh, Hockey Three Sixty Five, wrote a book about something that happened in hockey one day out of the year. So he writes on this day in nineteen twenty four, the Boston Bruins and Montreal Maroons were granted an NHL franchises. Guess how much? Guess how much they paid? Twenty grand. Oh, you're close, Heather. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, $25,000 each for a franchise in the NHL back in 1924. Wow. Wow. Another one I wanted to add is actually yesterday, but I'm a big Ray Bork fan. So 42 years ago yesterday, on Saturday, the Bruins traded Ron Graham, son of John Graham, Mm -hmm. former goaltender of the Boston Bruins, to the L.A. Kings for L.A.'s first-round pick in the 1979 draft, which was the eighth overall, the Bruins drafted Hall of Famer Ray Bork. Wow, great trade. Yeah, Thank you. one of the good trades back then. Well, I can't that, believe they did that. That's an amazing trade. Yeah, yeah. and then one of the worst trades was they traded away Ken Dryden because when, um, right. when he was with, uh, I think, Cornell, uh, right. they had his rights and they traded him for nobody. For an absolute nobody, yeah, and the guy goes. Peter, uh, Peter Barry Peterson for Neely, and then Wesley, right? They got Wesley. Yeah, yeah, that I remember those. They got Wesley, so that was a good one too. But yeah, that was. Well, they've had some bad ones too. Jeez, <laughs> that that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting little tidbit. That's that's one of the great trades ever. Yeah. So why don't we end it right there? Um, and I'll just I'll just go on the uh, the spiel. Thank you so much, Matt, for for again being an awesome host two, two weeks in a row. Heather, thank you very much. I know it was an emotional one, but uh, I'm glad that, you know, we got it off our chest and we can move on, right? 
Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. We're we're adults. We're all adults. <laughs> I can separate the business from the the pleasure. True. All right. Well, anyway, um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We appreciate the retweets, the shares, the the compliments, the uh, and everything. Please go rate and review. Please go to Apple Podcasts. Please go to Spotify, wherever you find us, and rate and review. Uh, five stars would be awesome. And even if you want to write a shitty uh, review about us, we'll still accept that. But please do the five stars. Patreon. Patreon. Patreon um, is 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 up and running. Please, uh, it's only a dollar per episode. Please donate. And uh, we are going to start, I think we're going to really move towards when the NHL really starts going to get this up and running because it just seems like we're, we're not getting any, um, any real ideas of when the NHL is going to start. Uh, we heard early December. We're hearing uh, is early January or, is, or middle January. So once we get gauge on what's going on, we get some ideas of some kind of training camp. We'll start doing those. I'm still going to be purchasing items to give away. We have signed pucks. We have t-shirts. We have hats. We have stuff from the store next door. A lot of good stuff is all available to you for just $1. You And, and you just donate $1, and all of a sudden, a week later, you get a nice little prize. So uh, please do that. Um, anything else that I'm forgetting because I'm losing my mind here? No, definitely rate and review, though. Mark has worked his ass off for the last four years. I would love to see us get 200 ratings. You can say Inga sucks because she's clearly not well put together like these boys. Whatever you want to say. But definitely, I, I, as I said before, at least go rate and review. Consider Patreon. Mark works his butt off. I'm glad that we're getting the business off the ground, but maybe we can get them 200 reviews for the 200th episode, which is in a couple weeks. Two and weeks. big time's happening here. Two weeks. And uh, I know that's just, uh, I love you, you're my brother, and I'm just being like kind of defensive mama bear. But really, you work your ass off. You're always helping everybody else. You have great writers over there. And I mean, what starts as a dream really becomes something big. So please go out and support, whether it's Patreon or you just take a couple of minutes to rate and review wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you, Matt, for coming on board. Um, I know I'm kind of a shit show this week just because I'm an emotional <laughs> crap show, but... Um, I just love it. And I think any support that you can give to Mark and black and gold productions and whatever else, go on and do it. People seriously do it for me because I lost Tori Krug. <laughs> oh, All right, everybody. Thanks again. And for speaking for Heather and Matt, we, we really thank you for everything and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting black and gold hockey podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.